This YouTube and podcast is going to be about taking ownership of your defense and what happens when you don't. I wanted to do this phone, this podcast, because I had a phone call the other day. And the gentleman on the phone has a disease and was on medication for the disease. But apparently, <clears throat> somehow, his attorney, the pre-sentence report, the pre-sentence report did not reflect his met, did not have his accurate medical records. And but he had already been through the sentencing hearing. It made absolutely no sense to me. Hello and, hello and welcome. My name is Mark Blatstein, and I'm the founder of Physician Pre-Sentence Report Service. When I was speaking with him, I was taken aback to learn that he had already been sentenced. And here I'm trying to ask questions to learn how did it even get that far? An incomplete pre-sentence report. He lived in one state. The case was in another. Somehow or another, the records didn't make it into the pre-sentence report. None of this, as I said, made sense. But if the information that I learned was accurate, his pre-sentence report was incomplete. And that is a big deal. The per <clears throat> He was on the phone with his wife. She is a, it's going to be a nurse practitioner. And I give them credit. They were able to go online to the BOP formulary identify the medication and figure out that it was not his medication he was taking was not there. It's not easy. But he was now set to surrender, self-surrender in the next 45 to 60 days. And so my instructions to him was as follows. He had to get copies of all his medical records, get copies of all his prescriptions. At the same time, he had to take his the BOP formulary with him to his physician. And then together, his physician was able to, we should be able to identify if any of the medications at the BOP would be a, an appropriate medical medication substitute. If the, if the physician agreed, then he had to do two things. One, he had to get a copy of the new prescription and fill it. And second of all, he needed to get a letter from the attorney as a progress note added to his file to take with him today because this document was very would be will be very important when he presents to the BOP self-surrendering and all of these records he's going to have to take with him in a large envelope titled legal mail if in fact the attorney the attorney if in fact the physician could find no medication that was of equivalent, could be an equivalent substitution. And this would affect be a life-threatening issue, interrupting continuity of care. Now there's a bigger problem and I have to wait to hear from him, but this may have to go back to the judge. I'm not really not sure of the next step or to the attorney and the judge. Be that as it may, this case is rare. I mean, I've never heard of a, of a case getting this far where the attorney with the defendant has an incomplete pre-sentence report and made it all the way to the sentencing hearing with nobody picking up on it and the person being sentenced. That's just crazy. But this underscores the need that everyone needs to take ownership of all aspects of their defense. And so how, this starts with interviewing attorneys. And when you interview the attorney, 
you know, speak to them and then see if you can get some, if, ask them if there's some, if he could give you a couple clients that you could call just to talk to for a couple of minutes. It's not a big thing. Hopefully the attorney will agree. If he doesn't agree, then go on to next. I mean, when I get had a hip replacement done a couple of years ago, I got referrals of some patients just to make sure of how everything went. Next is you want to see some of their sentencing memorandums. Sentencing memorandum is the is a document form, a document that the attorney writes, submits to the court a week before your sentencing. Again, it's, you want to get copies of sentencing memorandums that the attorney has done in cases similar to yours. And the goal is to see when you, you know, when you leave there, if they look the same or they look, if, or each of them look individual, like they were written individualized for the individual person. <clears throat> and all of it to be in the same criminal defense space in the same in similar cases, similar to yours. The attorney may tell you that this is private information and they can't do that, which is understandable. At the same time, you can agree and just ask him if he could please try and find a way he could take Adobe Acrobat or some black magic marker and just block out all the personal identifying information. You don't want to assume that the attorney is going to be doing everything right, which is why I'm doing this podcast. When I feel that that phone call it was out of left field, and you have to have a partnership with the attorney, so that he, you know, he he respects any input that you're going to give him as you're, you know, either you're paying a fee if it's private counsel, but even if it's a federal defender, this is your life. So. <clears throat> This extends into the partnership, which is going to go beyond pre-sentence interview, pre-sentence report, right to the sentencing hearing. It's going to impact your future. How does this start? Once you're guilty, the, the, the next sequence is that the probation officer, which is an officer of the court, is going to meet with you and interview you and then draft the pre-sentence report, which they'll provide to the judge along with recommendations for your sentence and placement. So all of this is taken out of your hands. And the goal is that, you know, you want to, you want to get to the probation officer before they have a preconceived bias that you are this horrible guy that has been in the news meeting the whole time. And so hopefully you can get to that person before the probation officer gets to speak to either the prosecutor or Googles you. So how do you initially take ownership? It's with your attorney. They're gonna reach out after guilty to find out who the probation officer is and they're gonna hopefully immediately try and con connect with them. As I said, normally <clears throat> the probation officer at some point is gonna to talk to the prosecutor. They're gonna Google you, go through all the information that's available online because the DOJ, Department of Justice, have made all of this very easy. And you you are a horrible person. But if your attorney can reach out to the probation officer initially and make that first contact, then this can set the tone for your defense and it will allow you know, your attorney to begin to lay the groundwork for your for your, their defense strategy with the attorney. 
and they can begin to make their case, <clears throat> followed by a very organized letter that details in more depth supporting everything that he discussed or he or she discussed on the phone with the probation officer. Additionally, there's kind of like business issues they have to discuss. You need to ask the probation officer what documents they're going to need from you at the time of the interview, what date is best for them to conduct the interview. Probation officers are, are overworked, understand, understaffed, and just don't have time. And so you want to make everything very convenient for them. And then you want to find out what the attorney is going to find out, what's their final dictation deadline, where they have to have their draft of the official pre-sentence report due to their supervisor. So you need all this information that we're about to go into ready and up to date for that pre-sentence interview. <clears throat> You're going to review with your legal team all the information you've co collect co all the information you've collected, ensuring that everything is available and accurate, making sure that the attorney doesn't need anything else. You are going to have your personal narrative also available. And we'll go into that in a moment. And you're going to have it to where you are able to discuss it first person with the probation officer, which is going to be your allocution, which is your conversation that you're going to have during the sentencing hearing with the judge at a later time. The probation officer is also going to score your public safety factors, management variables, criminal history score, the offense level is of your current charge. Well, you and your attorney should be going and doing the same thing also. The next is RDAP eligible. This is a drug program. Whether you're going to use it or not is one thing. But if you're eligible, include it now. Because... There's no saying that you can have everything done 100% correctly that we're going to go through today and what I go through on my website and through the YouTubes and podcasts. And you still, it may not change your sentence and where you're placed. But all of this information does follow you into the, into the prison facility. And then it will also follow you into the halfway house. And RDOP eligibility can knock a year off your sentence. So you want to make sure you're eligible, and then you have to include it. You don't want to try and just jump for care level three or care level four unless you have to. Care level four are the hospitals. They're 24-7, 365 nursing, and that's required. Care level three is for those that need assistance, but they don't quite qualify for around-the-clock nursing care, medical care. I say that you don't want to jump into them because they house both violent and nonviolent offenders. So how do you take now ownership on your end of the equation? What do you do as a defendant? You've got to collect all your biographical background information. That includes, we'll start with subject that's near and dear to me, all your medical background, the mental health background records. Anything, all records, any doctor you've been to, you need all their records. You need all their contact information, your, their name, phone number, website, email address. You need, if there's 
surgery reports, you need copies of these surgery reports. If there's pathology reports, you need copies of pathology reports. If there's mental health records, you need them. If there's hospitalizations, either on the mental health or medical side, you need that. If you've had x-rays, um, MRIs, CT scans, ultrasounds, PET scans, <clears throat> you need copies of the, of the reports, but you also should get copies of the CDs. If you've had blood tests, obviously the most recent are most important, but you should get as much, much of them as you can. And you should wind up getting two copies of everything because if history, as my experience is correct, most people don't have these records anyway. So you can have one copy for yourself and one for the court, which will then go to the Federal Bureau of Prisons. Next, you're going to need to have copies of your birth certificate, driver's license, social security card, uh, passport. You need to have also copies of the highest educational level that you've achieved. If you've been in the military, what's the highest rank you've had? What type of discharge? Any certificates? You need to have all of this, all of these records included. Character reference letters. It can't be letters from just saying, my boy's a good boy, he's got it, don't send him to jail. It's got to be letters that reference your character. And also has to include that you know they know you're facing a criminal charge. So it's from people that have known you for a while and they've seen you do, you know, seen you done good deeds. <laughs> Excuse me. Albeit whether it's tutoring, volunteering, uh, mowing neighbors' lawns, helping them groceries, etc. It could be if you have a former employer who who uh, knows that you have this criminal charge, but is still willing to rehire you when you're done prison. It's a big deal. You should have letters from that employer because this can be part of your reentry planning as you enter, leave prison and go to halfway house. They want to see that. That's part of your reentry planning. Your personal narrative that I touched on earlier. This is going to take every inch of the three months and quite frankly it could be taking eight months compressed into three months it's your whole life story the good the bad and the ugly everything from when you were a child till what got till what got you in trouble and you've got to be honest with yourself this will be it's not going to be the first draft and it's not going to be the sixth draft it's going to be rewritten and distilled multiple times and you're not the person you are writing this because of your remorse of the damage that you did to the victims. How, what brought you to this point? Was there a trigger? Um, you're not going to repeat this. You don't want to be back in front of the court ever again. And what you're going to do to try and make the victims hold, if that's an option. <clears throat> this is a whole separate uh, page on my website. It's also a separate YouTube or podcast. Reentry planning also starts now. The first part we all already alluded to, which could be that the character letter from your employer. If you have that employer says that, you know, when you're done, give us a call and we'll rehire you. That's like a double plus to your reentry planning. But it starts now and extend your building this on material that you know we will walk you through doing while you're in prison and then into, into the halfway house or residential reentry center 
and then on to supervised release. Why am I going through all this? I was totally unprepared. I mean, I had patients come to me and say, you know, Dr. Blatstein, you know, the, the, Fed, the FBI came. And I said, that's crazy. And then another patient that I had done big surgeries on both of her ankles, she came to me and said, well, they wanted to see all the surgery shoes, the aftercare stuff. And I, wow. And so I was unprepared for what I needed to do. I mean, I, while I had all my medical records, I was the personal narrative. I knew nothing about that. Allocution, which is what you speak, what you say in front of the judge the day of sentencing. The judge asked me if I had anything to say. I looked at my attorney. I didn't know what he wanted from me. And this is why it's important in your defense. I sympathize for those of you who, like me, were deer in headlights. But just a symbolic act of beginning to participate in your defense and letting your attorney know that, you know, you want us to be a partnership. This taking back a small amount of that control will slowly begin to build confidence and make and that same success that you had while you were in your business life. You're going to now build on that here and that will prepare you for taking you through incarceration in the BOP and to re-entry into life again. So this is, getting going to prison is a temporary period of time. It may be years, it may be months, but it's temporary. Um, if you have any questions, I am grateful that you've taken the time to listen to what I had to say. Mark Bledstein, Physician Pre-Sentence Report Service. All my information is available for free on the website. I go into a lot of detail there. It's P as in Paul, P as in Paul, R as in Robert, S as in Sam, US.com. And you can call me, feel free, 240-888-888-240-888-7778. I hope that you have found this helpful, and I wish all of you a good day.